Why, hello. Welcome to episode 56 of the Hey, Okay, Ha, Happy Hour. I'm your host, M.P. Snyders. You can call me Matthew or Matt or Snyders. Uh, just don't call me Matt Booker. Uh, how about we do the ads later? Usually we do the ads here, but let's sneak them in later, shall we? Let's get to it. On to the pod. guys doing how are you guys doing out there I uh, hope you're doing well I uh, hope you're drinking a nice drink me I got my coffee I let it sit too long it's getting cold it's getting lukewarm you hanging in there you hanging in there in the middle of this weird winter what is it February <clears throat> excuse me February what third fourth something like that Got a plan to, to get your Valentine's dates ready? It's tough out there dating during this mess, isn't it? I feel like I'm doing some shitty comedy bit uh, with no jokes, just a just a cliche premise. But isn't it rough out there? Uh, no, everybody's, I'm on these dating apps, you know, because what else am I going to do? And these ladies wearing masks in their fucking pictures. It's like, I don't know, find a, can you go alone in a room? Maybe take the mask off. Let me see what I'm dealing with. You know? Because I'm a chin guy. There's a lot of, uh, what, tit guys, leg guys, ass guys. I've always been a chin guy myself. Got to know what I'm working with. Chin's a weird part of the body. It has to be, I mean, there's not a lot of room for error, right? If your chin is like a centimeter too small... It looks ridiculous. If it's a centimeter too big, equally ridiculous. Chin, underrated. So I notice all the, the, the fervent mask people, the most fervent pro-mask folks, tend to have turkey necks. Tend to have double chins. What are you hiding, huh? What are you hiding there? All the, all the cleft chin motherfuckers out there, they're like, ah, fuck your mask. This is what I work with. Check out my chin. Leading with their chin. Me, I got a, I got a, I'd say a slightly below average chin. It's fine. It's, it's, it's okay. But, um, you know, a beard, beard never hurts, right? Um, what the fuck am I battling? How do we get started on chins? Masks, chins. Uh, so I was in, I was in Des Moines uh, this weekend doing a little, a little mini set, a little little guest spot there at the Des Moines Funny Bone. Uh, had quite the experience. I don't even know where to begin. First of all, if you know me, you know, obviously, I'm not some headlining comedian who's been doing this for 25 years, right? Who's a household name amongst bookers in the country. I'm not that. I don't claim to be that. I've been doing this for six years. Now, if you're not in comedy, you're probably saying, six years, holy shit, you've been doing it that long and you're this low on the totem pole? Why don't you quit? Um, which is fair. But if you're a comedian or an aspiring comedian, you're listening to this and saying, 
only six years? You think you could just walk into a funny bone and get spots only doing six years without a manager or an agent or that shit. You got some nerve, buddy, right? The truth, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Six years is, is uh, usually when you should probably start getting opening spots, maybe host gigs, feature here or there, work up enough time that you can comfortably do an hour when a headlining opportunity arises, right? So I say all that to say this. I walk into the Funny Bone, Des Moines, talk to the booker, manager, Leisha, great lady, say, hey, I'm, I'm just looking to speak to the booker, uh, if, see if I could get a, a spot in, not long, I'll, you know, five minutes, whatever, whatever it takes, I just need some reps, uh, I have some references, um, blah, blah, blah. So she's like, well, oh, where have you performed recently? And I told her, and I mentioned I was at the Omaha Funny Bone, and Colleen put me on uh, before, let me do a little guest spot, before Greg Warren, who I, I might have mentioned before. Oh, great. She, she knows Colleen, right? Um, it's the Sister Comedy Club. And I assume she's going to text or call her. That's why I mentioned Colleen. You know, she'll remember me. Anyway, um, Leisha never saw my set, which is probably a good thing. It was a pretty mediocre set. Uh, I didn't bomb, but I certainly did not kill. It was like, uh, barely, barely satisfactory. She didn't see the set because while this was going on, she was texting back and forth with Colleen, the booker from Omaha, and Colleen says, Matt Booker, I've never heard of him. So I get off the stage, I'm walking towards the lobby, and then I hear Leisha go, can I talk to you for a minute? You know, in that tone, hadn't heard that tone since I was like in high school, like you know you're in trouble with the teacher or the principal. I'm thinking, oh shit, was my set that bad? I mean, it wasn't great, but I wasn't like, horrible I'd okay whatever so yeah sure she goes I just texted Colleen she's never heard of you and she is understandably pissed off because she thinks she's looking at a bald-faced liar some guy that just walks into a club lies about having opened at a sister club thinking that they'll just put me on and not check the references so I I, I go I certainly have what what my brain like freezes right I, I, I like stammer because I'm so caught by surprise. And the look of disgust on her face. She's like, you know what? I don't need to hear it. It's between you and Colleen. I don't know what explanation you have, but this is unacceptable. Blah, blah, blah. Makes a scene. And she's like, I think you should leave. I'm like, yeah, I think I should leave too. I was so, so I walk out and I'm thinking, oh, then she goes, not only has Colleen never heard of you, I had Mark Norman, that was the headliner. Mark called Greg. Greg Warren says he never heard of you either. So my, my world is shattering. Everything is ending. I walk outside after this, go to my car thinking it's over. This is, I'm, first of all, I can never go back to New York. Mark Normand is like the quintessential uh, New York comedian. Uh, love the, check out, I'm sure you have if you're a comedy fan, you know Mark Normand. Um, I'm thinking I can never, he, he's gonna fucking tell all the, this fucking douchebag lied about. Colleen's gonna let all the other funny bones, I'm never gonna be able to work, I need to quit and go go back to what, whatever the fuck I do, right? So how can I, how can I, how can I, how can I uh, fix this situation? So I, I email Greg Warren. Now it's 10.25 p.m. 
on a Friday night. I'm thinking, Greg Warren, this guy's a headliner. He's got a special on Amazon. He's, he's got better shit to do, right? He's probably at least performing right now. It's Friday night for fuck's sake. Apparently, Greg Warren has nothing better to do on a Friday night than sit around, wait for some opener to email him. Because he, Greg Warren, God bless him, emailed me back within two minutes and said, I'll let Leisha and Mark know. I, they told me Mark Booker. So somehow there was a wrong name, uh, which is fine. Again, who the fuck am I? Why would you even hear of me? So this led to this big whole fucking mix-up. So he texts Leisha and Mark to let them know. I assume, right? Because I'm not going back to the comedy club until the next day. I want to make sure, you know, Greg lets them know. So I go back the next day, like at 4 p.m., going to the doors unlocked, thank God. Nobody's in the club, just Leisha in her office, perfect. And I sit out and I'm like, I assume, I didn't sit out, I just kind of knock on her door that was already open, I'm like, uh, has Greg reached out to you yet? And she was like, yeah, yeah. And then she was super apologetic, which she shouldn't have to apologize. Because I told her, like, she was just going off the info she was given, right? It's unfortunate she had the wrong name, but that, you know, shit happens. But, you know, if Colleen and Greg Warner tell her, I never heard of this motherfucker. She's, who's she going to believe, them or me? Of course she's going to believe them. So it was an unfortunate misunderstanding that led to a level of embarrassment I've, I don't think I've ever experienced before. That one-hour window where I'm thinking, okay, one of the best headliners in the country and one of the most important bookers in the country, right now in their world, in their universe, I am a lying uh, con artist. Um, the, the lowest of the low. Like, that's like lower than a joke stealer, right? Um, and that was their reality for that little hour window before Greg Warren, and by the way, I'm gonna plug his shit, because again, God bless him, Greg Warren's got a special out on Amazon called Where the Field Corn Grows. It's awesome. And uh, so anyway, the long story short, that level of embarrassment I felt, I think it, I'm kind of glad it happened on some level. It was good for me. I, I've been walking around a little bit not embarrassed enough, right? I think we all need to be embarrassed to a level where you're literally mortified, where you know they, they say, oh, I, I wanted to die, I wanted to crawl up and die. That's little, I never understood that until that moment. I literally wanted to just like, if uh, something bad happened, I wasn't gonna try to survive. I was like, I, it was borderline suicidal thoughts. That's how fucking embarrassed I was, thank God. I even went on Facebook and uh, messaged Sean O'Brien, who was Greg's feature, uh, shout out Sean. And Sean got back real, real fast to me too, but by the time he got back to me, Greg had already done so. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you for getting back quickly and um, fixing a horribly embarrassing situation. Um, that story make any sense? Now I know some of you, most of you, all of you, not in, not in comedy, probably can't relate, but just you can relate. Just put it in your own industry, your own thing that you're pursuing. If, if some important gatekeepers and or somebody you really respect and you wanna, you know, make sure they, they don't think you're a complete douchebag, suddenly, for, a, for an hour window, think that you are a liar. Oh, ugh, ugh. But again, it's, we can laugh about it. I guess, but at the same time, you know that, that expression, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Like, even if that first impression turned out to be false, still, you know, is she ever going to be able to look at me and not think of 
some idiot with uh, shitty uncut hair uh, lying to her. You know, and like I told her, like, she shouldn't have apologized. I think if a comedian really does come in and lies about their references, not only should you kick him out or her out of the club, I think you should have bouncers maybe rough them up a little bit because that, that shit's, <laughs> that's unacceptable, right? Of course, if you've seen or met doormen in comedy clubs, that ain't probably, that probably ain't gonna happen. They don't seem to be the toughest fellows. Funny as fuck, but not the toughest fellows. Um, anyway, that was my weekend of mortification turned, uh, whatever the opposite of more, whatever. Uh, how, how are you doing on your stocks there? Huh? Last time we talked, we were, we, I say it like, this is not a one-sided, uh, audio diary. I was raving about the GameStop stock speculative bubble, the pump and dump. Fucking pump and dump. And what I say, this shit ain't going to end well. These hedge funds are going to be okay. John Q retail investor buying in at $350 a fucking share of nonsense. What the fuck is GameStop? It's Blockbuster. Can you imagine going all in and Blockbuster in 2007? It's, it's dumb, right? But I've been going on the Wall Street bets community. What do you, what do you call it? Thread? On Reddit, wow. I mean, in their defense, they call themselves retarded apes, but it, so it's not. Uh, it's not just a clever, a clever, affectionate nickname. These people are are not not bright, not bright at all. The Wall Street bets go on. If you want a window into group think, into just total irrationality, run a mock. Go to the Wall Street bets. I mean, it seems complicated when people talk about finance and speculations and shorting and all this shit. It sounds complicated. And I think people assume people who are into it are intelligent. No, it's basically a bunch of retards going, oh, everybody else is doing this. I'm going to do it too. And that way the stock will... Basically, they want to... Here was their get-rich-quick scheme. They wanted to all hold... They wanted to get rich by holding their shares. Do you realize how stupid that is? It was a pump and dump scheme from the get-go. This guy, Keith Gill, who I guess his name is Deep Fucking Value on Reddit. This guy started, he had a bunch of stocks owned in GameStop. Was talking about this shit for months. Had a lot of social media followers. And pumped the stock up, and then once companies like Melvin, Melvin Capital, went under, or started, they didn't even go under, once they started taking a hit, then they framed it like it's a political movement, like it's for a good cause, which doesn't make any sense on a lot of levels. First of all, how does hurting Melvin Capital help you? There's like currently guys who are down 60, 80%, who are insisting on holding their stocks, because they think it's for a righteous cause. How, how does hurting a hedge fund, some random hedge fund, hurt anybody? It doesn't threaten the system at all. It would, and by the way, why, why is that a good thing, hurting somebody else? Shouldn't you want to enrich yourself? You know, you want to, you want to get poor, but if it hurts somebody else, then it's, 
It's justified. This shit doesn't make any sense. It never did from the beginning. It was a pump and dump scheme from the get-go. I believe the media was complicit. I think as time goes on, it will be revealed that there were some sophisticated uh, people behind this Wall Street bets. I think Wall Street is looking at social media and wondering, how can we weaponize social media to do our little pump and dump fucking thing? You know what a pump and dump is, right? You pump up a stock either through innuendo, you have media uh, contacts, you put out stories, you spread rumors, uh, whatever it takes uh, once, you know, to, to, to drive the price up. Uh, and then once it falls back to reality, you sell at the peak. It's a pump and dump. Wall Street guys do it all the time. Whole argument in favor of this nonsense was that, well, the little guys can do it now too. It's like, it's still not a good thing and it still ends in bloodshed, uh, metaphorically speaking. It, it's, it's still nonsense. It's, it's just speculation. The only way the stock can keep going up is if there's still more fools to buy in. Well, I know it's shocking. I kind of had trouble believing this myself. But there's a finite uh, source of fools in the world. Like, once you run out of fools, or more precisely, once you run out of fools' money, it all comes crashing back down. It's just like a pyramid scheme. Speculative bubbles are no different than pyramid schemes, right? It's just done through time. Um, but it's like, how, how did they think they were going to make money without selling the stock? You can't make money without selling the fucking stock. And the smart ones knew this. And the smart ones were probably the ones most vocal telling the other holders of the share to hold it. They call it diamond hands. You got to have diamond hands. Stop being a paper-handed pussy, right? And there's poor schmucks who bought into this, who kept holding their stock while the smart ones were selling, making a fucking killing. And the true believers are going to get the most fucked, ironically. The people who believe in this shit the most, this idea of we're just going to, I don't know, in, out of spite fuck over a hedge fund, those who hold on to that are going to lose the most. And and then Robinhood, everybody got mad at Robinhood, the app, uh, the retail trader, or the, the source for retail traders, when they put a stop on buying GameStop shares. You know, and everybody's pissed off because they're helping the hedge funds with their shorts. You know, they're going to let you sell your stock, but they're not going to let you buy in. And I said at the time... Shit, Robinhood's doing you all a favor. They're preventing you from losing more money. This shit's not going to go up. It's going to go to the moon, they said. How? The, how? How? GameStop's not making a fucking profit. None of this makes... It's not based on reality. It's just a herd, right? It's literally a herd of non-thinking automatrons traveling in a pack together because everybody else is traveling there. There was no logic behind it. And so it... I mean, this isn't fucking... I'm not Nostradamus here. I think pretty much everybody saw this coming, the stock deflating back to reality. But uh, keep keep, uh, keep doing it. Pump and dump. So this Keith Gill guy that everybody's following, how is he any different than any other of these shitheads on Wall Street? This CFA uh, former track star. He's just pumping and dumping with social media. Using social media. And I guess the SEC now is going to look at how they're going to regulate this type of shit moving forward. 
you know, I don't know what to believe. For all I know, this shit was orchestrated by Wall Street and their political lackeys to create a, you know, a so-called crisis that necessitates heavy regulatory measures that will probably, I can't speak, probably, that will probably be framed as safeguards for the, the retailer, for the little guy, but like most regulations, it's really written by the big guys to muscle out competition and give them a tighter stranglehold on the marketplace. And then there were rumors that they were going to attempt to short silver, which would be interesting. And uh, of course the media chimed in laughing at the idea of shorting silver um, because the market's simply too big and you know, all the guys on Wall Street bets would have to buy 4,200 ounces to, uh, to do a short squeeze on, on silver, which is, is probably true to a certain degree. But how do you explain the government's actions against the Hunt brothers in 1980? They arrested a couple of brothers. They arrested them and confiscated their silver, silvers, their silver bullion, and charged them with uh, cornering the silver market. Just two fucking guys. This is in 1980. Uh, Wikipedia, that shit. I'm kind of low on the details, but long story short, um, you know, after we we fully went off the gold standard in 1971, when the Nixon administration closed the gold window. And we were on total 100% fiat currency, which is just, you know, government creates it out of thin air. Uh, inflation happened, you know, pretty, well, they called it stagflation throughout the 70s, right? Because our currency is becoming less and less valuable. And people knowing this decided to, to buy things like silver, uh, probably other commodities too, and to protect themselves from inflation. Now, these two brothers, the Hunt brothers, started gobbling up silver at God knows at what price, maybe less than a dollar, between 50 cents and $2, who the fuck knows, but they were gobbling up, I don't know, tons of silver, I don't know how you measure the weight, but it was, you know, thousands of ounces, at the very least, and silver spiked in a matter of weeks from, I don't know, less than $5 to $48, Wait, was, or was it 80? I believe it might have been 80 briefly. I mean, it was a really steep spike. So silver touched $80, somewhere around there, an ounce briefly in 1980. And then quickly went back down. Why did it go back down? Well, the feds, uh, did they arrest the Hunt brothers? They certainly charged them with market manipulation uh, for cornering the silver market. So they want to have it both ways. They want to, they want to say that, we could confiscate two brothers' silver supplies because they're powerful enough to have a monopoly on silver or whatever, or enough to uh, manipulate the price. But an army of redditors who number in eight million, I believe, last count, they they don't have enough purchasing power to to corner the silver market. Somebody's lying. I'm inclined to think they were lying in 1980. Those fuckers weren't cornering the silver market. They weren't cornering it. The, public, the publicity of what they were doing probably led to the spike, but that spike was only made possible because of the inflationary monetary policy, to put it charitably, when you go off the fucking gold standard, that it was a response to that. And smart people like the Hunt brothers took advantage of it, and they were punished. 
accordingly. In the land of the free, you're free if you're, you know, not a threat. You're free if they don't give a fuck about what you're doing or saying. But at a certain point, they will give a fuck. You are not free. I don't think we've ever really been free. And it would really help if we stopped this illusion because it's dangerous. It's not healthy, right? Because it's hard to become free if you assume you're already free. And we have teachers teaching students in public high schools and middle schools right now that America is a free country. Based on what evidence? What evidence is there of us being free? There's, there's zero. There's zero. You have politicians that can shut down your business on a whim. On a whim. No vote. No vote. Uh, why am I on a tangent? Why does it always come back to, we're not free enough? I don't know. Maybe because we're not. So that's the sil So they're going to short silver. Silver did rise pretty quickly by like, I don't know, 10% or so from 27 bucks to about 30 bucks an ounce. It's still massively undervalued. There's a finite amount of silver. It has intrinsic value. You need it for, I don't know, medical supplies. Your smartphones require silver. Uh, the solar technology is going to necessitate a whole lot of silver. And until an asteroid made of pure silver crashes into the Earth, there's only but so much of it. Now, we're still mining silver, right? We haven't extracted the Earth of all its silver yet. But as we, you know, as the low-hanging fruit gets picked, it gets more and more expensive to dig for that silver, to extract that silver. And it's finite. Oh, yes, it is. Only so much of it, useful, need it, and its price is, has been for decades manipulated by the banks, J.P. Morgan in particular. Um, they basically suppress the price of precious metals by flooding the market with something called ETFs, right? What are ETFs? Um, by the way, do not listen to me. Do not take, this is not financial advice. Um, I'm not a financial advisor. Uh, anymore. <laughs> um, was I ever? You'll never know. And so this is, don't listen to me. But all I'm saying is that silver is artificially low, as is gold, because big banks flood the market with these things called ETFs. They're called exchange-traded funds. Uh, in layman's terms, they're paper claims, or I guess digital claims on physical silver, allegedly. Problem is, there's more of these ETFs that are created than, than silver reserves that exist. So, what's funny about ETFs? It's like a receipt. You, know, you don't want to you know you don't want to hold the silver, right? You don't want to hold the gold. Why don't we give you a little receipt like a stock that you can trade that represents the silver? Well, that's what money used to be. That's what currency should be. That was until very recently, for most of human history. These little pieces of paper we trade were receipts for gold or whatever, silver, stored in a bank. That's what banks were. They were storage facilities for precious metals, and they would give you a little receipt, just like you get at a coat check, for your gold or silver. And then that way it's more convenient to trade the receipts when you're out there buying your whiskey, right? Buying your whores, whatever you're doing. You don't want to carry that gold, so you... You trade a little receipt or you write a little check or whatever the fuck it is. But at the end of the day, there was physical gold to back up every uh, receipt in circulation. So that was the original ETF. Now that we're off the gold standard, 
We call our currency money. It's not money. It's currency. Dollars are currency. It's not money. Um, and we call uh, currency ETFs. Did I say that right? You get what I'm trying to say. ETFs as they exist now are basically what money, currency used to be. And <clears throat> just like they did with currency, i.e. loaning out more receipts for gold than they had gold in storage, they're doing the same thing now with ETFs in the digital marketplace. There's more ETFs out than physical exists. So what happens when this game stops? Uh, no pun intended. What happens when people start demanding physical silver or physical gold instead of these ETFs? Because let's say they no longer trust the ETF system. Let's say it becomes well known in the public consciousness that the precious metals uh, markets are being manipulated. What happens? Well, all the physical shit's going to be wiped off the shelves. In fact, that's already kind of happening. Now, the official spot price might not rise that much, but what does happen is they'll charge you a bigger premium for the physical shit. So let's say you walk into a coin shop and all the silver is disappearing from the shelves, but somehow the banking bastards are managing to keep silver prices low by flooding it with ETFs. Well, the coin shop's not going to, if it's the spot price, Jesus Christ, man, I can't talk. If the spot price is $27 and they're running out of inventory, they'll charge a premium well above that 27. Usually, it used to be like one or $1 to $4 over spot. Now people are charging like 10 to $15. So the real price is, you know, $35, $40 an ounce. Um, so what am I saying? I'm saying you should go buy physical silver or gold. If you're one of those rich guys, ah, I think I'll go for some gold. Get the fucking gold. But if you got a few hundred dollars lying around and you want to, you know, make sure your kids eat after hyperinflation, maybe uh, get some silver. Fucking $30 an ounce right now. Well, I, you know, thereabouts. That ain't bad. You get 10 of them. 10 big old silver rounds clinging, clinging, clinging together for what, 300 bucks? That ain't bad. Um, now, I'm not saying these. These Wall Street bets fellas are going to short silver. In fact, on the on the board, they don't. They think it's a, a diversion. They think the real smart money is in GameStop, and the silver talk is part of a conspiracy from the mainstream media to deflect attention. It's like no, no. What they might be doing is trying to discredit silver by associating silver with Wall Street bets. That's probably what, if there is shenanigans, that's what they're doing. But they're so self-important, they think that um, they are try they're being discredited by this silver shit. And I'm just on the side going, actually, silver does make sense. Forget about a squeeze, a short squeeze, just in terms of storing value, protecting yourself against inflation. Inflation. Why do I turn Irish when I say inflation? Probably because I know a thing or two about it. Um, and it's and for logical, fundamental, based on physical reality reasons, silver demand should increase as time goes on, and the supply, for logical, easy to understand reasons, will uh, decrease. There's a finite amount of it. We need it in our modern modern society, uh, even. Forgetting about modern society and the need for industrial silver. Silver has always been valued by humans across every culture, every continent, I guess except Antarctica, 
uh, and every time period. You can take a time machine, any point in world history, have yourself some silver, and you can trade that for a fucking bag of rice or a, a hut or, you know, anything. Because for whatever reason, I mean, is it in our DNA? I don't know. That, that might be a weird explanation, but maybe there is some. We are programmed to value shiny silver it doesn't get rotten you can measure it a silver here is the same as silver there assuming it's the same purity it's an easy way to fucking store wealth right it's easier than owning land right it's it's a commodity just like oil land real estate pick a fucking real useful thing uh but most things are fucking expensive and too big to uh for a guy like uh me to own right i'm not gonna own land right? Land's fucking expensive right now. I'm not going to own a bunch of barrels of oil. Where the fuck am I going to store that shit, right? I might buy a few coins of silver, though. Bury that shit in my neighbor's yard, right? Uh, as far as you know. And just let it ride. Let it ride. Let it ride. What the fuck did we talk about today? We talked about the funny bone in Des Moines and my horrible, uh, mortifying experience. Um, that was uh, eventually fixed. We talked about GameStop, silver, squeezing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think about, that about covers it. We're 30 minutes in. Uh, by the way, I say happy hour. Oh, shit, we got to do the ads. My bad. Uh, we are brought to you, as always, by Baba G DIY Edible Kits. Do you like cannabis? Hmm? Do you like candies specifically gummy candies are you sick of paying over uh overpaying for these these dispensary edibles well why don't you make them at home yourself go to oregonbaba.com they have candy molds candy mixers to make the process real simple for you all you do is provide the the thc oil or the cbd oil whatever you have or maybe you just want some old-fashioned candies that's fun too Maybe go to the movie theater, sneak that into your purse or your coat there, your cargo pants if you're a feller, and have some cheap homemade candy that you can make with your own healthy ingredients. Huh? How about that? Again, go to orgababa.com. We're also brought to you by Octane Inc. Octane Inc. specializes in snowmobile wraps, custom apparel, race car lettering, and something else. I don't have the script. I'm going by memory here um, with a deep history in motorsports and a love for anything fast octane inc has quickly become the midwest premier one-stop shop anything you want customized they can make it happen doesn't matter if it's a logo uh, uh an emblem or just a funny little prank you want to maybe you want to have a gag gift uh whatever it is uh they can make it happen go to what is it again it is octane inc llc.com today and that's octane LLC. I'm sorry, Octane Inc. LLC.com or check them out on any social media platform. All right. Well, I've got nothing more to say, folks. And uh, we'll see you next week, though. And until then, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Bye bye.